is the Animals Voice podcast, presented by the Ontario SPCA, with 50 communities working together for animal welfare. Here's the host of Animals Voice, Jamie West. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the podcast on OSPCA Radio. Great show on the way. Don't forget to text OSPCA to 45678 to make a $5 donation to the Ontario SPCA. Later, we'll bring you some insider knowledge on the extensive training that OSPCA officers go through. We'll also go back to law school, in a sense, with a guest who can give us a better understanding of the role of the OSPCA when enforcing the OSPCA Act. But first, it's the Animal's Voice News. Dog walking is good for the mind and body, according to experts. You've probably figured that out, too. Now that summer is over and routine is settling back in, it's time to get your health and wellness in check. How about volunteering as a dog walker? The Ontario SPCA branches are always looking for volunteers to assist with animals. You and the animals will benefit from fresh air, exercise, and great companionship. Contact your local branch today to see what opportunities are available. The Edge Wine Bar and Grill held their second annual golf tournament in support of the Ontario SPCA Orangeville and District Branch. The fun-filled day raised funds in the amount of $2,200, which will directly benefit animals in need. Thank you to the Edge Wine Bar and Grill and everyone who contributed. No event is too big or too small, by the way. If you're thinking about hosting an event, we'd love to hear from you. A special thanks to Gail Wagner and her dog Molly, who not only raised money through the Friends for Life Walkathon, but donated her $75 rewards gift card by purchasing pet food for her local Cornwall branch. Thank you, Gail, and all of our wonderful donors and volunteers. Another great story to wrap up the Animal's Voice News. The Ontario SPCA is made up of 50 SPCA and Humane Society communities across the province. Check out our website, ospca.ca, for a complete list of communities and how you can support the great work they do on behalf of the animals we all love. The Animals Voice podcast continues on OSPCA Radio. Once again, here's Jamie West. Understanding the role of the OSPCA when it comes to enforcing legislation can be a bit confusing. Hopefully, we can sort some of that out right now with our next guest. Brad Dewar is an Ontario SPCA Investigations Communications Officer. Brad, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Can you tell us about yourself and how long you've been with the Ontario SPCA? Well, I've been with the Ontario SPCA for uh, almost three years now. Uh, during that time, I've uh, been an animal control officer, uh, investigation dispatcher, uh, an agent, and uh, my current role as the investigation communication officer. What does the Ontario SPCA do? Well, it provides a, a number of um, uh, benefits to the community, one being that uh, it's a shelter. Um, it also has the investigations department and, uh, and in some areas of the province, uh, animal control uh, service as well. What legislation does the Ontario SPCA have jurisdiction over? Well, the Ontario SPCA enforces the Ontario SPCA Act and also uh, Criminal Code of Canada. What are the different rankings within the Ontario SPCA inspectorate? Well, we have uh, agents and inspectors, uh, regional inspectors, senior inspectors, and then our chief inspector. Brad, how does an agent become an inspector? Well, an agent uh, needs to be with the organization for uh, a minimum of four years, 
and um, has proven themselves to uh, to be an officer that uh, um, has been uh, respectful in what they've done. They've fulfilled their duties as an agent to the expectations of the organization and has been approved by their senior inspector to uh, go through the training to become an inspector. When is an OSPCA officer also an animal control officer? Well, in, uh, in, in some areas of the province, um, some um, uh, offices do have animal control contracts, and, uh, and certainly we encourage members of the community to, uh, to check to see who provides their animal services for their area. And, um, and those officers um, receive their uh, authority uh, to enforce bylaws through that municipality. What criteria does the Ontario SPCA look for when hiring OSPCA officers? So um, we, we, we look at past history in terms of uh, what they've done for employment. We look at education. We're, we're looking for someone who does have uh, uh, two years with uh, police foundations or law enforcement foundations, any type of experience they have in bylaw or animal services, animal control. And then um, once the person has been uh, selected as a candidate, they then are required to go through uh, the Ontario SPCA training course. Brad, can you provide us with some details on the training process? Uh, how many weeks of training does an officer receive, for example? Okay, so it, uh, there's a number of steps. Um, first and foremost, there's um, um, the four weeks of online training, which is followed by four weeks of uh, in-class training. Uh, one of those weeks is a week of livestock training at Guelph University. Uh, we also have our defensive um, and TACCOM uh, communications portion, which is also done in-house. And our officers are also required to have uh, ride-along hours accumulated in order to uh, be appointed as an agent. What are some of the misconceptions about the role of the Ontario SBCA officers? Um, some of the misconceptions that do exist is that um, that all uh, Ontario SPCA agents or inspectors also enforce um, the bylaws for the municipality as in through uh, animal control. And, and that's not the case. In, in some areas of the province, we do have animal control officers. And, and again, we encourage uh, the community to check to see who provides their service. And, and they do that in a way that... Um, it prevents for unnecessary uh, calls to the Ontario SPCA and that the, the, the call gets directed to the proper uh, animal control service for that area. Uh, some of the other misconceptions that may exist is when it comes to, uh, to wildlife. So certainly when there's an animal control contract, um, the animal control officers uh, can respond to sick or injured uh, wildlife if um, that is part of the bylaw for the municipality. However, from an investigation standpoint, as an agent or inspector, uh, our involvement with wildlife um, surrounds uh, acts of cruelty that is happening. Um, there are other min uh, ministries exist, like the Ministry of Natural Resources, that would deal with um, concerns or issues involving wildlife within the community. Who do I call if I need to place a cruelty complaint? Uh, well, certainly, first and foremost, um, we encourage members of our community to call their local Ontario SPCA or Humane Society, and certainly they can also contact their local police service. 
What type of information does the Ontario SPCA need when receiving a complaint? Uh, again, this will depend on what uh, the concern is. Uh, if we use, for an example, um, um, a dog left unattended in a vehicle, uh, what we would like to receive is, first and foremost, a license plate. Um, make and model of the vehicle, color of the vehicle. What status um, does the dog look to be in? Is it still responsive? Is it barking? Or is it laying there lethargic and not moving? Um, has it vomited? Uh, what kind of dog they think it is, the color of the dog? Uh, where in the parking lot the, the vehicle can be found. All of that type of information um, helps our officers through the investigation process. Also, the length of time that you first notice the dog there to the point um, that an officer arrives on time, that, that's key as well. Is the Ontario SPCA the only organization I can call when it comes to animal cruelty? Well, the Ontario SPCA should be the first uh, organization that gets contacted with acts of cruelty. Uh, the local Humane Society as well can be contacted, and certainly um, the local municipal or provincial police can be contacted as well. Does the Ontario SPCA work with other agencies when investigating animal cruelty complaints? Absolutely. Um, our goal is to work with the community. There are um, police services that uh, have been able to assist us and vice versa on cases, uh, various ministries across the province. Uh, ultimately, our goal is to uh, have an open communication with the various organizations and, and to always be willing to work with them in, in order to um, assist with any animal welfare um, concern within that community. Brad, how many cruelty calls does the OSPCA receive every year, and, and do all of these calls get investigated? Uh, last year alone, in 2011, the Ontario SPCA received six, close to 16,000 uh, calls uh, regarding concerns for animal welfare. Uh, every one of those calls will have been investigated. Um, we are mandated to respond to those uh, those concerns. When is it appropriate to lay charges? Uh, this is something that can sometimes be uh, a little confusing. Um, laying of a charge isn't uh, the same as um, a speeding ticket. It's not something that's immediate. Uh, it does take time. There is an investigation process, um, requirements of documentations, um, notes from veterinarians or past history of um, uh, the animal's uh, care while at uh, a veterinarian. So it, it can take some time. Um, in some cases, um, depending on the situation, the animal may be deceased and has to go off for a necropsy and that can take some time before uh, an officer gets the details back. So um, the laying of the charge, um, uh, once the officer has uh, accumulated what's required, they have um, six months to lay the charge and, uh, and certainly follow through with that through the, the due court process. Brad, we're all passionate about animals. How can the public help the Ontario SBCA? Well, certainly, first and foremost, uh, the Ontario SPCA promotes responsible animal ownership. And, um, and any time that a member of our community notices a, an animal that's either being neglected, abused, or a form of cruelty is happening, uh, please, without hesitation, contact your local Ontario SPCA or Humane Society. Provide as much detail as possible. 
and, and that will allow us to uh, initiate an investigation. And if, if indeed there is a concern, we can help to facilitate the help to that animal. Brad, thanks for this information today and for your time. Really appreciate it. Look forward to talking to you again. Thank you very much. All the best. There's Brad Dewar. He is an Ontario SPCA Investigations Communication Officer. You're listening to the Animal's Voice Podcast, spelled P-A-W, don't you know, on OSPCA Radio. The Ontario SPCA is always looking for your continued support. Check out our website, ontariospca.ca, and find out how a small donation can make a huge difference in the lives of the animals we care for. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at the official Ontario SPCA page. To become an OSPCA officer is not an easy task. There is extensive training involved, and it's important that we all have an understanding of what the training is like. Joining me to discuss the issue is Senior Inspector Darren Grandel of the Ontario SPCA. Darren, great to have you on the show. Oh, great to be here. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role within the OSPCA? Sure. Um, I'm currently the Senior Inspector for Southwestern Ontario and that encompasses two main roles to uh, manage the investigators and the investigations throughout southwestern Ontario and my other big role is to look after our training curriculum each year. Right, Uh, can you tell me how much training the officers go through when they first start out? Uh, When they first start out as it stands now the program is a 12-week training program and then following that a six-month sort of coaching and mentorship when they're actually out in the road uh, being uh, monitored by a, a more seasoned investigator, an experienced investigator. And so it's a quite in-depth and lengthy process. Can you take me through uh, what goes on in that training? Sure. Um, from the get-go, if a person actually gets recruited, they, the first, if they show interest, they have to, of course, go through the screening process. And then if they get approved uh, to come to training, it all starts with online training. So it's a four-week uh, session of online training with uh, fundamentals of investigation and principles and stuff like that. And it gives us a sense right from the get-go about time management, independent learning and independent study and stuff like that and meeting deadlines and also teaches them sort of the basic fundamentals and preps them for coming to the in-class portion. And so that goes on for four weeks. And then after that, they'll come to uh, in-class sessions. And that's split up into basically eight weeks of coming to class for a week, then going on the road with an officer and then coming back to in-class for another week, going on the road for a week, and that goes on for about eight weeks. The in-class portion is, of course, the theory stuff, but also isn't just sitting at a desk listening. It's lots of interactive activities and even practical scenario-based training as well to actually play out um, cases, uh, real cases that come from our past and actually go right to a mock uh, trial and actually uh, defend their actions and stuff like that. And uh, the, reason we in, <coughs> excuse me, the reason we interject the ride-alongs is after a week of learning in the class, we want that to uh, stay in their mind and really instill those skills. So take a little break, go on the road and actually see it done, and then come back, learn some more, go on the road, apply some of it, see it done again, and come back. So that's sort of our philosophy to help better retention. So it's an experiential training model then, or learning module. It is, absolutely, and we've found huge success with that. 
do current officers receive refresher training? It sounds uh, obviously what you've described is is quite in depth, uh, but do current officers receive refresher training? They do. As our training's evolved, uh, you realize we are bringing in new people with this immense training that previous people did not receive before. So we didn't want to have that discrepancy be, be, between the new recruited officers and the seasoned officers. So, so all current officers uh, over the years, each time we sort of upgrade our training, we bring them back and actually give them kind of a shortened version, but again, refresh our training for this is you know, like both to refresh their skills and also so that they're at this, uh, they're being taught the same things that the new recruits are being taught. So absolutely, uh, there's always that refresher training. There's also always yearly recertification training for mandatory things too. Right. Darren, where do you do this training? Most of it takes place uh, in our headquarters in Newmarket. Um, some training does take place around the province, depending on needs and location. Uh, for example, northern Ontario, uh, the, lo- the logistics of bringing people to Newmarket is very intense, so sometimes it's a lot easier to do sessions there. And likewise with the east and uh, southwestern Ontario, too, sometimes. Uh, do you bring in experts to assist in the training? And, and if so, uh, what, what types of experts uh, come in to help? Yeah, absolutely we do. Uh, we uh, uh, two main experts we have. One is uh, a professor, a college professor for a uh, 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 justice studies program, who's also a training consultant and an ex-RCMP officer. And he teaches us uh, and our people all the stuff about basically your basic fundamentals and principles of investigation and law enforcement and uh, keeps us in pipeline with what's new and current in the court systems, case law, and legislation. Uh, another professional we have is a current um, uh, OPP training officer who does all our communication and self-defense training and really keeps us up to date and uh, teaches us what the current police model is and teaches us the exact same thing. Of course, altered for our, our nature of work since it is different than police work, but the skills are, of course, like up to date and everything, so it keeps us current. And we also get uh, help from the University of Guelph and the Campbell Center for the Study of Animal Welfare and the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture for uh, all matters relating to livestock. And the the new recruits actually get one of the week of their in-class training is actually through them where they'll learn some stuff in class and then visit farms and actually see it. And, uh, and of course, there's veterinarians involved in in that process too. So we do call upon a lot of external experts, but we also recognize too that internally, because we're a specialized enforcement uh, when it comes to animal cruelty, we have many experts internally based upon their years of experience. And of course, we draw upon that many times as well. Sure. Where do you get the content for the training program? Well, a lot of that comes through our consultations with those experts to make sure that what we're teaching is current and new. Because across the board, when it comes to investigation enforcement, there's basic principles that you have to be followed. There's a charter of rights. There's these blanket things that everyone has to know. So that's why we use those uh, experts to make sure that uh, recent case law decisions that we're aware about so that we can reflect that in our training. Other aspects of our duties come, of course, from the veterinary community for recognizing distress in animals and, and of course, our own experiences in dealing with animals and stuff like that comes from our own people and what we've learned over, you know, what, since uh, 1873, right? Right, sure. How, how would this training compare to, to other law enforcement programs, Darren? Um, excluding police, of course, because they have very intense uh, training, of course, for their work. But outside of police service, I think ours is a leader in Canada. Because um, there's lots of enforcement agencies out there. Of course, there's municipal bylaw agencies. There's, there's the other ministries out there, like number of ministries that are enforcing things. And, of course, um, just 
the security agencies and stuff like this, all sorts of enforcement out there. And But I think uh, ours, like just for the intensity of it, is, like I think we're actually a leader. It is specific to animal cruelty, but so much of it is fundamental principles that apply to everything that I think we've really hit gold with our current training program. And I think it actually shows in the numbers because as we started evolving our training, our retention of people has actually gone up too. Interesting. How, how, how has the training evolved over the years? Wow, well, about 15, almost 15 years ago when I first became a volunteer officer, my training was a day and a half. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's evolved quite a bit. It was basically that way until just prior to 2008. And in 2008 is when some significant changes happened. And, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't say 2008. There were some changes before then um, to increase the number of days. But 2008 is when some significant changes started to happen, moving it to two weeks of training. And then, incorporate, and then from there, it kept evolving to put in the online training, adding more weeks, adding more sessions, creating the livestock component with the University of Guelph and those other agencies. So the evolution of it has been incredible. And where we went from having two classes a year with upwards of 30 people, we're now having one class a year with maybe 12 people. And so we're really seeing the numbers uh, reflective. And it shows just the investment in training because you see a lot of agencies really cut back when they have to cut their budget, they cut on training. But like what we see is we actually save money by investing in training because when the people actually are confident and they have the tools and they feel ready to get out there and do the job, we find that they actually enjoy it and they actually are proud to actually be part of the organization and they stick around. You know, that's something that could be applied in just about any type of organization you can think of or, or business for that matter. Just It just makes a lot of sense. And obviously, uh, the investment, as you say, is paying off huge for everyone involved. Oh, absolutely. It's one thing I've seen huge that you invest in training, the dividends are massive. Why, why is this much training so important and, and why does it keep evolving? Uh, the reason it's so important is because uh, any law enforcement work is, is very intense. It's very difficult. There's a lot to know. And, there's, and you never know what you're walking into, in a sense. So you really need to be prepared. And just because there's a lot of what ifs, what ifs, what ifs, but you can't go into the, uh, every case all the time just with the what ifs. You just got to accept it and feel confident to know that you can handle whatever happens. And so that's what people can do this job for 30 years and still be seeing things they've never seen before. And so it's the quality of the training is just to make people comfortable that they can handle what's going to be thrown their way and know that they have the tools and the support system, too, to get them through whatever's going to happen or whatever they're going to walk into. And so it's all about that confidence, eh? just knowing that you, you've got the skills yourself and plus you've got the backup and the support behind you as well. And I think that's what we're instilling in our training. Do you just train OSPCA officers, Darren? Myself, no. I, I also do many external initiatives at colleges, universities. I teach police services. I spoke at conferences, you know, all the way from between here to Newfoundland. Um, to veterinary communities, external agencies and groups that advocate for better animal cruelty legislation and stuff like that. So I, uh, I get around teaching and educating about animal cruelty to all various groups. Fantastic. Uh, Darren, a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thanks so much for the insight on this. Really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for yeah, letting me speak about it. All right. We'll talk to you again down the road. Take care. You too. All right. There's Senior Inspector Darren Grandel of the Ontario SPCA. Thanks for being with us, and don't forget to check us out on Facebook and send your friends to the link to our website, ontariospca.ca. 
And thanks for texting OSPCA to 45678 and making your $5 donation. The Animal's Voice podcast is a production of the Ontario SPCA. For more information and news from our 50 communities, explore our website. And thank you for your kind and continued support. Remember, fix your pet. Find out how easy it is at fixyourpet.ca. It's the kindest thing you can do.